In its May edition, Health Affairs published a study that caught my attention. According to the authors, unionization in nursing homes early in the COVID-19 pandemic was associated with a 10% lower mortality rate among residents than in non-unionized homes. You're listening to Clinical Conversations from the NEJM Group. I'm Joe Elia. We have two of the study's authors with us, Professor Adam Dean of George Washington University, where he is an assistant professor of political science. And we also have Dr. Athene Dara Venkataramani of the University of Pennsylvania, where he serves as an assistant professor of medical ethics and health policy in the Perlman School of Medicine. Welcome to Clinical Conversations. Now, this was not your first investigation of unionization and its association with COVID-19 outcomes. And so briefly, could you tell us what the previous studies found? Sure. Uh, This is the third study we've published in Health Affairs about labor unions during the COVID-19 pandemic. The first one uh, looked at nursing homes in the state of New York during March, April, and May of 2020, so the first three months of the pandemic, and looked at the same question, looked at whether or not unionized nursing homes were having better COVID-19 outcomes than non-unionized nursing homes. Uh, The second study moved to education and looked at public schools, specifically in Iowa, and looked at whether or not teachers' unions in Iowa were associated with the adoption of mask mandates in the fall of the 2020-2021 academic year. And now this new study uh, that just came out in May uh, looks at unionized nursing homes across the United States for over a year of the beginning of the pandemic. And again, looks at whether or not unionized nursing homes had better outcomes, not only for residents, but also for workers in those nursing homes. Yeah, the workers were the secondary outcome, but the residents were, were your primary outcome. And that was your hypothesis that they would, uh, uh, residents would do better in a unionized setting. And uh, that was based on your earlier research where things seemed to go better when, when there was a union involved. Now, you studied some 13,000 nursing homes in the lower 48 states. Reading through your, your study in health affairs, is, uh, is a thicket of numbers. So let's not drown the listeners in numbers, but can you tell us roughly, first of all, how'd you go about doing the study and what did you find? So the key to doing a study like this is getting the data. Data is not available for COVID-19 outcomes in many workplaces in the United States or elsewhere in the world. And so uh, U.S. nursing homes are unique in the sense that the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services are collecting it and making publicly available nursing home level COVID-19 outcomes, both for residents and for for staff, for workers in the nursing home. Uh, In terms of looking at whether or not unionized nursing homes were having better outcomes, we uh, reached out to the SEIU, that's the Service Employees International Union, and, and requested that they share with us proprietary data on which nursing homes in the United States have union representation. Uh, we then did a observational study uh, looking at whether or not COVID-19 outcomes for employee, for workers and uh, residents were better in those unionized uh, nursing homes after controlling for potential confounders. There are lots of possible confounders at play here, and uh, you, you acknowledge those uh, in, in your discussion. But you said that you reached out to the Service Employees International Union. Did you share your hypothesis with them? You did. So our, our relationship um, with SEIU goes back to that first study, back, back when there was not data available around the country. At that point, it was at the state level 
that some states were releasing nursing home level data. So the, the state of New York was one of the first states to do that. And so when that data became available on, on resident uh, mortality rates in New York nursing homes, we reached out to 1199 SEIU, which is the nursing home union in the state of New York, and they shared the data just for the state of New York with us. Um, following that study, we, we got back in touch with SEIU at the international level, uh, and uh, they agreed to share with us the data for the rest of the continental United States. Now, this is an impolite question. But what's your level of trust in the fact that uh, the data that you got from SEIU was not cherry-picked? I have, I have no, no reason to doubt um, that they've cherry-picked the data. Um, I don't believe that they've run this analysis uh, of uh, nursing home-level COVID-19 outcomes, which would have been necessary to do before reverse engineering the data in that way. Uh, we've also shared data with us back to 2013, and we can track the unionization of nursing homes over time. And, and again, it's uh, it's not like things suddenly changed in 2021. Right. So I, I needed to ask that question because I think skeptics would say, "Wait a minute, you you got you got favorable data from from an organization whose uh, whose reputation might be at stake here." I'd actually go a step farther, if you, if you don't mind. Um, when I first reached out to the SCIU in, in New York, they were extremely skeptical that I would find anything in the data. They said that the pandemic, especially when we started working on it in the spring of 2020, was a, a real tidal wave, and that they thought that it was a sort of unfair question for us to ask that unionized nursing homes, despite their efforts, were probably unable to do anything in those first months, and everyone was overwhelmed uh, with, this, with that first surge. Um, and, and they were, you know, very surprised when we came back and we said we've run the analysis and found that unionized nursing homes in the city of New York were associated with a 30 percent lower resident mortality rate. So it was actually contrary to what they were expecting we'd find. Go ahead, Athena. And, and just to reiterate something Adam said, the analysis itself brings in data from many different sources. And so for the SEIU to have done it, it would have required months of kind of sustained effort, which is what we had to put in to build a data set, verify it, and clean it. And so uh, it would be uh, very costly to reverse engineer a data set for them, especially when they have so many other activities that they're doing. Right. Fair enough. And and uh, asked and answered. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but of course, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time hanging around um, the research journal. And so I'm always trying to explain things in ways that the authors don't. For instance, are the unionized nursing homes more expensive than the non-unionized ones? And therefore, are those families expecting a higher level of care? Do you have any data on, on the uh, uh, on the fees charged by those unionized homes? We don't have data on the fees charged. We have some pieces of information that may correlate with the types of fees that are charged, but it's unclear which direction that would go in. For example, unionized nursing homes tend to be more likely to be for-profit than not-for-profit. At the same time, they also have a greater share of residents who are receiving Medicaid, for which reimbursement rates may be lower. And so on balance, it's unclear to us how the expenditure per person in nursing home would shake out. And all the factors I mentioned, plus others, are things that we try to adjust for and making sure, or at least trying to make sure the best we can in the study design 
ever comparing apples to apples. It's puzzling, I think, is the, is, is the word I would, I would use, because, for instance, the non-unionized homes had higher star ratings, didn't they? What are those star ratings indicating? The, the unionized nursing homes, um, in terms of the, the descriptive analysis, have a lower star rating right. um, than the non-union. Um, th- there's been a lot of research, which maybe uh, Dr. Venkataramani could speak to as well, uh, about the very low uh, correlation or relationship between star rating and COVID-19 outcomes uh, during the pandemic. And some early research found that, that the relationship you might expect, that higher quality homes were having uh, better outcomes, that is lower mortality rates, but the later research has not been able to replicate those findings. Well, I wanted to ask you if there were uh, surprises in, in, in the results. I think one thing um, that I found surprising is that this relationship between unionization and COVID-19 resident mortality rates persisted um, far into the pandemic. Um, so, you know, early on in New York State, there were a, a number of interesting dynamics. PPE was scarce. You know, there was kind of the the discharge of uh, nursing home residents to different nursing homes, that was something that was being looked at critically. And so there were many obvious opportunities where unions might be able to bargain for access to resources or flow patterns that might help protect their residents. But as the pandemic went on, PPE was more universal. People started getting vaccinated. And so the opportunities for um, you know, for obvious mechanisms like PPE to to kind of explain our findings, we're, we're less likely to be there. And so the fact that the relationship persisted as strongly as it did was surprising. Uh, and it makes us think that there may be other things that nursing homes are doing that we don't really measure in our data that are protective for patients. And there were other limitations that you acknowledge. You say, look, there, there might be different uh, policies in the counties involved uh, where these nursing homes are located. So there's more research to be done. I'll bet you that you're doing it, right? Are we you are. And given all of this, what do you hope that readers of Health Affairs or readers who don't read Health Affairs but have listened to this interview, what do you, what, what do you want them to take away from this? What can they do, do you think, next week that they weren't doing last week? I was fascinated, uh, Joe, by your email where you said that uh, you thought that this might be particularly interesting for physicians who were deciding where to uh, send their patients to. And this is another thing that they may keep in mind in making those decisions. As a political scientist, I'm, I'm more focused on labor politics and, and policy. And so I've thought of this uh, research program as um, showing uh, many things, but, but um, most importantly, that labor unions are, are not only fighting to protect workers themselves, but that in doing that, uh, they're providing these broader benefits for society. So by keeping nursing home workers safe and less likely to get COVID-19, they likely reduce transmission from workers to residents in the nursing homes and, and reduced mortality. And I, I'm, a, I'm a general internist and I work as a hospitalist here in Philly. And so I often do discharge my patients to uh, skilled nursing facilities. And for me, um, these results really kind of put the onus on us as physicians to think about what is it that's exactly happening in nursing homes that's correlated, correlated with unions, for example, that seem to be the secret sauce in reducing people's risk of getting COVID-19 when we discharge them out of the hospital. 
in doing this paper, I've had more critical conversations with case management, not just about the union status of, of nursing homes, but what they think might be happening on the other side that we should be paying attention to that we're not measuring so that at least internally and perhaps externally, we can measure those things and make sure we're um, sending our patients to the right types of facilities. So I think there's a lot of learning if we can unpack this result more, both clinically and otherwise. I'd also like to add more, more generally that uh, I think the research speaks to the need for an interdisciplinary approach to some of these questions. And I wanted to make sure to mention that two of our other co-authors who aren't with us today made important contributions to this research. Uh, Dr. Simeon Kimmel at Boston Medical Center, uh, who's an a, a infectious disease physician, and uh, Jamie McCallum, who's a sociology professor at Middlebury College. So we've really been able to look at this complicated question of how to protect essential workers and, and residents during uh, the pandemic uh, from multiple angles uh, through our different expertise on the research team. Well, I want to thank you both, uh, Dean and Athene Dar, for, for your time with us. And I uh, want to wish you luck on, on your next round of research and uh, hope that you'll be in touch with me so we can figure out uh, what happened. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Thank you. That was our 291st edition. We come to you from the writers and editors of the NEJM Group. Our executive producer is Kristen Kelly. I'm Joe Elia. Thank you for listening.